0: the best time of the day show so it's friday it's time for our omnibus which means you can hear all the stuff you missed this week in one fell swoop now everybody but everybody no matter how old it is no matter how knackered it is loves their first car their first car is the best car there ever you or i are ever gonna have even if you're driving around in lamborghinis and things like that now your first car is always the best it was that teenage freedom thing that you got and so therefore at the age of 18 having worked long and hard in pubs and also at the civil service as a clerical assistant i managed to save up the 400 pounds necessary to buy my actually that's a lie £200, pounds and my parents put in the other 200 because they were thinking that he's never going to get routed. to it. He'll be 50 by the time he saves it up. Yeah, exactly. Well, the pub kept beckoning. That's where the money went. And so I bought my first car, a Fiat 500. Now, if I'd have kept it, it'd have been worth a lot of money because, of course, it's now a classic. It wasn't then. It was a car that everybody laughed at. And my mates had all got their first cars, and they got Beetles, and they'd got Ford Escorts and things like that. But no... I had a Fiat 500. I will say this though: it was the deluxe model. It was the 500L, which meant it had reclining seats. It had a fuel gauge, which the standard model didn't have, and it had overriders on the uh, the bumpers, which like little handles. So therefore, my friends took great pleasure in lifting it up and carrying it around the car park, with me shouting, "Putting it down! Put it down! You'll buckle it!" And uh, the thing was, this was such a great car, even though it supposedly did nought. This is true: nought to 60 in 83 seconds. And I know, but it could. It only used two-star petrol, and I could get to and from college three times on 50 pence worth before it ran out of fuel. And the only thing was, it, it kept <laughs> breaking down because it was rather worn out, and uh, I have no mechanical knowledge. But not to be put off by this, I thought what a good idea it would be to go on a journey, a proper journey with this. So me and two mates decided to drive to Spain in it now me being slightly older by about six months meant that i was the only driver because they weren't yeah i think once you passed your test you had to have at least a year's experience on the road before you could drive on the continent back then so therefore and also it was me a bloke who i was at school with and his girlfriend yeah okay the virginal me in a fiat 500 with a couple necking furiously in the back and also the front the the engine is the back as you know with the fiat 500 in those days and the, the bonnet had the fuel tank and room for luggage which actually was full of tins because so my mother was convinced that they didn't have any food whatsoever on the continent so therefore i had to fill the car up with tins of food and on the roof was a roof rack which contained tents two tents obviously because there's the the, the Yo- loves young dream in the back seat and there's me, the virginal me uh, who was the uh <laughs> the driver so off we went and this. we we drove we drove and we drove and we drove the only thing was because it was a two-cylinder engine the carpet the the carburetor was actually on the top of the cylinders if you got too hot vapor locks appeared in the petrol so it kept stopping and we didn't realize this for a while because i didn't know this but the hotter the country they change the mix in petrol so therefore it evaporates at a higher temperature so you don't get that but on the way down to spain it was causing us terrible problems and we thought we'd put the tent up every night so we couldn't be bothered after about the second night. So you just actually just hid in bushes, get off the road into the bushes and carry on the next day. And uh it was very slow progress, I must admit, uh and eventually we thought we I don't think we're going to make it at this rate uh but I tell you what these vapour locks are a terrible problem. I tell you what we'll do. we'll stop at a garage so mid somewhere in France, somewhere in France, we stopped at a garage, which is the equivalent the French equivalent of a of a railway arch, and there was a man there who actually was out of proper he was with hindsight totally out of central casting, you know, right the way down to the gall was sticking out the corner of his mouth. We explained in my halting French that in fact that this thing was uh, you know was kept stopping and it was something to do with the fuel and no word of a lie. With his cigarette glowing, he fiddled with it with the carburettor and suddenly t- the the fuel pipe came off and the gush of petrol put his cigarette out, which is just as well because Love's young dream was still in the back seat snogging, so therefore they'd been incinerated straight away. But we had a lovely holiday and somehow it was four and a half days to get there and two and a half days to get back. But by the time I got back, the car was completely shot to pieces. And so there was very little I could do with it, apart from take it to the garage, where the chap said, Mr. Lester, this is honestly no word of lie. He put his arm around me and said, Mr. Lester, I'm afraid there's nothing more we can do. So he bodged it together again. So the answer was to try and get rid of it as quickly as possible. So put an ad in the paper, as you did back then. And this nice young lady turned up and said, this is just what I need, and it had a cassette player in there, which I'd bought one of these ones, which had a a curious Japanese name, which wasn't a Japanese brand you'd ever heard of. I think it was like a SciShow or something like that. And so, and if you didn't really tighten up the cassette very well, it would just you'd be playing a Steely Dan tape or whatever. And there's a as it wound it into the uh, yeah. There was it, I have still got the tapes actually. They're still all ruined from there. They're all stretched all over the place. However, I digress. She saw this and went oh it's got a cassette player and so therefore was completely smitten by this and she handed over 200 quid and disappeared down the road and the best thing about it she said I wanted something reliable to get me to and from gigs because I'm a magician's assistant so the best thing is she disappeared presumably never to be seen again I've lived vicariously off uh, a friend of mine for many, many years who had the most tremendous tales of his time with the Top Shelf magazine. And uh, if you work for a a nudie magazine, everybody assumed that, you know, you came into the office and there were naked women all over the place and it was, you know, fighting them off. Oh, excuse me, Samantha Fox, this sort of thing. No such thing at all. They very rarely ever saw anybody. They very rarely ever went to a photo shoot because the photos were sent in. And also, if they ever got to talk to one of the models, very often they said, the thing is, you know, genius is... In different ways, you know. David Beckham's genius is in his feet, for instance. But occasionally, they did get a, you know, a special photo shoot if you had a big celebrity. And so, therefore, the word came down that Maria Whitaker, of course, was page three model, very, very famous uh, at the time, uh, was going to do, a, I think, a special photo shoot for this magazine. Thought, oh, fantastic! So do we get to meet her well actually yes so they went down to this uh, uh, photographer's studio in sort of soho or whatever and sure enough you know at the appointed hour and maria were turned up and apparently it was absolutely delightful absolutely lovely and what they'd done actually is that they'd uh, laid on a few sandwiches because you know i think um photography uh, can take far longer it's not like your holiday snaps it takes a bit longer if you want to do it properly they've got to get all the lights up and things like that and presumably she had to work out what costumes not to wear and so therefore they're they okay so they, they laid on some sandwiches and uh, so maria was chatting with the boys etc tucked into these sandwiches until there was not a scrap left. And they carried on with the shoot. Uh, when the shoot finished, she said, thanks very so much indeed, boys. You know, peck on the cheek and disappeared. And oh, that's fine. Meanwhile, you know, the last few moments of the photo shoot, probably they could hardly hear anything due to the rumbling of stomachs. Because, in fact, probably due to the skin flint editor, the amount of sandwiches that had been laid on were for the whole crew. But Maria, not knowing this, had scoffed a lot herself. As a family... My mum, my dad, and my sister, three years older than me. uh, We would go off to various places, and, you know, being the middle-class family that we were, uh, very often we went to places like uh, Dorset, you know, we went to Lulworth Cove and uh, things like that. We went to Wales, we went to sort of the Pembroke Peninsula and places like that. And in one occasion, uh, it actually snowed in June this was in the mid to late 60s and that point my mother put a foot down saying look all i'm ever doing is swapping one kitchen for another doing self-catering it's snowing it's june i'm having a horrible time next year we're going abroad and my dad who rather liked the idea of of sort of walking type holidays sort of rather grudgingly agreed And, and we as kids thought oh fantastic we get to go on an airplane and all that sort of stuff so off we went majorca was the favored destination 1967 off we went on a here we are, nerds, aviation nerds. A Convair Coronado 990D. Uh, which was a charter air- aircraft uh, from the airline Spantax, which is a rather unfortunate name, I think, for an airline. But it was just so exciting because the air stewardesses, as they had there, uh, actually, once that they- we'd taken off, changed into flamenco outfits, which is just brilliant. So anyway, we set off from what was then Elmden Airport, which is now Birmingham International, and uh, off it was in the middle of the night, because that's <laughs> the cheapest time to go. So we set off the middle of the night to go to my Yorker right and of course we had that thing which we're all dressed up to the nines because we're going on an airplane I think my mother even wore a hat so off it we were look shorts and a tie and in those days you walked out to the aircraft you didn't get there's no those sort of uh, walkways or whatever and it was Pouring with rain, it's actually how it's just dreadful. And we squelched out to this, and <laughs> some water pouring off the wing, <laughs> completely soaked me like someone thrown a bucket of water on me. I was like eight, was so I nine at the time? So therefore, <laughs> got so I sat there steaming damply for the sort of two and a half hours it took to get to uh, to Palma, and then there was like an hour on the coach to get to uh, where we were staying, Porto Cristo, I think it was. Uh, if you're a Mallorca fan, and when we got there, we've, the first thing. And I've alluded to this in a previous podcast is that uh, if you're a doctor, never, ever tell anybody that you're a doctor. But when we got there, discovered that, in fact, there was another Dr. Lester family or Lester family from Walsall had been booked. So we were double booked. And so what we had to do was we actually had to share a room. My dad and I shared a room. And my mum and my sister shared a room. And so, therefore, because we're going to have one room each when me, my mum and dad are going to have one. Room. And so, okay, fine. So, there it's, like, it's arriving at five, five o'clock in the morning. I'm now dry by that time. But also, uh, having filled myself up with uh, various goodies on the aircraft, and I suppose due to excitement as well, and uh, maybe having a little snack when we got there, it all proved just A little bit too much. You know, as a kid, I've actually... This is another podcast which you may have missed, so go back and find them, where in fact, you know, as a child, occasionally, you may have done it yourself, you may have wet the bed. There's only one thing worse. Exactly. So... (laughs) we woke up late the next morning to an appalling stench and I somehow seemed to be several inches off the bed and uh, the first thing my mother had to do was to find the chambermaids to (laughs) apologise what a terrible thing had occurred overnight as a result of the excitement and the foreign food As you probably know, I've been very fortunate and I've actually managed to take a month off on three separate occasions to drive across America with no real plan as to where I was going to go. I wanted to go to all those bits that you never saw. So that meant driving across the middle, the middle bits. And so not really going into big cities. Uh, And so therefore I would uh, usually fly to Los Angeles and then drive, drive east and on the second trip, I think it was, these things got point your mind because you think, oh, what's, what's the acme of America? It's that lonesome train whistle, isn't it? Yes, that wonderful sound that it makes. And also, those trains can be a mile long. So on one occasion, I was coming up to a... I was in the Midwest somewhere, and I came up to a, a, a railroad crossing. We started doing that, tang, 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 rather like, you know, in sort of Back to the Future, that sort of stuff. And I was just behind one other car, so we had to stop. I'll count the coaches. It was a freighter, a freight train. There was something like 117 of these things by the time, about five minutes later, it was only going about five miles an hour, the it, it, thing clanked past. And so, so rather sort of blindly, I just followed the car in front, which turned left down this road and eventually came to, Thought, oh, it looks like a toll booth. And I arrived at this toll booth and this man came out of the toll booth who, well, to put it mildly, looked like he'd been made out of rocks. Uh, because he was all muscles. Even his hair was muscular. And with that thing that Americans have, which means, you know, the last words you hear probably as before the bullet ploughs through your brain is probably the word, sir. I'm about to mug you, sir. Bang. And so this guy's going, uh, would you like to come in, sir? Looking at me. And I realized I was actually at Fort Hood and I, right okay what do you do under these circumstances thinking if i hadn't have been so foolish i would have realized that i was heading to a military installation two things there was a poster just the other side of the railroad crossing which had of course the stars and stripes all over it uh, with the words troops thank you for our freedom written on it and also the name of the street was tank destroyer boulevard two clues there this is why i could never help the police with their inquiries i so just you know not observant enough And so, therefore, at that point, what happens? Well, of course, Britain kicks in, doesn't it? So, therefore, you said, like, you know, Boris Johnson on Helium. "Ah, Well, well, of course. And what they did was they they very politely ordered me out of the car, checked my paperwork and checked the car over, even with mirrors underneath and everything like that. And eventually, when it was all finished, after about 10 minutes, they said, well, this chap (laughs) said, now would you like to come in? Sir... And at that point, you know, Britain. By the way, I was in Britain overdrive at this point, and so therefore I thought I had to. You've got to leave them with a, you know, a gag. Something that they'll remember you by. Uh, something which is, you know, just friendly. So I launched into the routine about. Well, of course, uh, we do have that uh, wonderful uh, spe- special relationship, and uh, but uh, I, I honestly think that probably a, a, mi- a middle-aged man who's not actually the the fittest, as a uh, uh, not like you, for instance, uh, not the fittest of, of human beings, would definitely be uh, a, a great asset it uh, to the, uh, the the United States Army and a, and a, and a fine force if I, I may say so. And As I was babbling for that, without a word he lifted the barrier and just waved me out. The best time of the day show is back Monday. These blue Best Time of the Day show is a Loading Zone production. la da